The following podcast is a part of the Spin Studio Network. Welcome back to Flourish and Fulfilled. Today's episode is a funny one because I kind of want to go into like a coach's mind that deals with the issues that he regularly sees within his clients of what kind of some of the most or most common relationship issues that he sees are and how we as women, given that my audience, I'm not being biased here, given that my listener database here is predominantly women, are misinterpreting our man, our relationship, or perhaps the issues that we're currently facing and feeling alone with, knowing that we're actually not that alone and it's more common than we realise. So with that, you may already know him. He's very familiar on my Instagram lives, IGTVs, blogs, and he's also previously recorded for Flourish and Fulfilled in regards to the topic of NLP. That is Blake Worrell Thompson. So welcome to Flourish and Fulfilled, Blake. Thanks for having me, Soph. Now, just to kickstart some of um, today's episode, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit, just as a quick overview in regards to yourself, and if they wanted to find out more, they can head across to the NLP episode that we recorded together? Yep. So um, initially, my background was in fitness, where I spent 13 or 14 years And towards the back end of that, started to kind of want to have a bigger impact on people. So went into NLP as a base and then from there have gone on to do um, a lot of uh, studies around relationship, which the Gottman Institute for me has been a real cornerstone of um, understanding relationships and those guys have been phenomenal. And then all different modalities and learnings and research um, when it comes to relationships, men and women as a result of that as well. Awesome. Now, I always start guests off with Kickstarter or fire questions, Mm. but today I'm going to actually choose some questions from my conversation cards that matter. So I'm just going to pull these at random. What do you never want your family to know? (laughs) Heavy vulnerability here, Blake. Good question. I wish (laughs) what I wouldn't want them to know is actually how I spoke of them back in the day. There was a lot of like victim mode and, you know, carry on about my upbringing and I see it very differently from how I used to. So that's probably, if I had my time, would want uh, them not to know. Yeah, beautiful. Next one is define the term failure to you. Really simply, I think it's just a a small mind failure because that's, if you've got a growth mindset, you can kind of remain open and seeing failure as feedback, but it's a small mindedness that um, means failure is actually a thing. Yeah. Next one is, what is deja vu? I've been here before. It's such a hard thing to actually explain that's, and articulate, isn't it? Yeah. That's all. And like, I've been here before. Who came up with that term and how did they articulate that? Next time I'm in ceremony <laughs> on psychedelics, I'm going to call in my angels and ask them that exact question. I've got all the questions. <laughs> one of my random questions this morning was, in Australia, we have, this is so random and left a field, but we have car manufacturers here in Australia, right? Mm. And the speedometer goes to 240 kilometres on a Mazda. Mm. No one's doing 240 Mm. on a Mazda. Why do they still create them with a speedometer that goes to 240? The engines can't even hit that. What did you just call it? Speedometer. Speedometer. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it is. That's a good question. Is that not what it is? What's the fastest you reckon you've ever been? I know, and I'm not going to say it because I'll get slammed. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, let's not talk about that. It's a really great question. (laughs) Uh, Do you know what your attachment style is? Uh, anxious. Do you feel more yourself with other people or alone? More yourself. Mm. Alone. I, similar to you, mm. have only realised probably in the last couple of years how introverted I actually am, but live a lifestyle of an extrovert. I got so excited <laughs> then that I threw my microphone. You know me very well. Yeah. What? And a lot of people are always shocked by this in regards to me. Mm. I am so introverted. Yeah, massively. Yeah. Yeah. The the challenge I think with um, people like you and I is because we do do a lot of stuff that would almost be deemed extroverted Mm. is people can get confused when they're in our space or whatever. It's like, is that person like 
something wrong with them. Mm. You know, it can come across. If you don't understand what an introvert is, mm. a lot of people can take it the wrong way. Yeah. If yeah. I do like a, an event or two hours of an event the rest of the day, <laughs> he's laughing because he knows how bad this is to me, but I literally go to bed and hide. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't cope. Yeah. And at the moment I'm living in Burley in an apartment and mm. we were talking this morning, I go for my morning walk and it's almost like I have to recover from seeing so yeah. many people. Yeah. All right, so I'm just going to do a couple more just to kickstart our episode. What is the kindest thing that anybody has ever done for you? Taking time to understand me properly. Okay, this one. Yeah, that's a beautiful story. Oh, okay. This thing. <laughs> Don't you think though, like, so just to kind of take that a little bit further, Lenny Carlton, my year 10 football coach, remember it clearly. Lenny. Lenny. I was like proper rat bag at school, like the definition of, and – you and I can see it differently now, but most teachers just look at that person and goes trouble. Mm. Like I could have got expelled so many times. He was the one who's like, there's a reason he's Deeper. like that. Yeah. Mm. And the significance of that, like I don't remember my other teacher's names. Mm. I remember his name. And for me, that is as significant as anything. And knowing that feeling then, appreciating it now and wanting to be able to create a space for other people to be seen and heard. That's mm. why for me it was so important. Mm. It's incredible how like as adults we reflect back on those greatest teachers mm. and I know that for me the people that stand out the most were actually the hardest teachers for me. And um, I won't mention her name but she was like one of my teachers growing up and she was so mean to me and so nasty but it almost left the biggest impact and I learnt the most from her. Mm. And same as like one of my bosses um, for the nightclub that I ran. He was yeah. so nasty to me, but it actually had such a big impact on mm. me. Yeah, great. Yep, I remember them. Yeah. Yep. Next <laughs> next question and we'll leave it on this one. Have you ever had an addiction? There's a thing that many of us use. And I love this and this is why I chose this because I know that you've done a lot of research in regards to addiction. Called a phone and social media is definitely an addiction. Mm. I think a lot more people have addictions than they realise. In fact guaranteed a mm. lot more people have an addiction than they realize. And um, addiction's fascinating. Like you th to, even to break it down, Gabor Maday is one of the, my favorite people around addiction. Doing something that you can't necessarily control no matter what the consequence. If you think about that, every single fucking person uses their phone in a car. That is a consequence. If you get caught by the cops, you're going to crash. So that for me is, is blanket that most people have somewhat of an addiction to either social media or their phone. Relationship patterns, alcohol. Mm. Um, there's so, so many addictions out there that people would not even realise are addictions. And alcohol is such a massive one because mm. especially in Australian culture, is it's not unusual that a lot of people leave work, go home and smash a bottle of wine every mm. night. And they don't even see that as an addiction. They see that as a normal part of Australian society. Mm. So addictions are so much more prevalent than what I think we even discuss or talk about. Did you know mm. that Australians have the highest spend per capita when it comes to gambling of any country in the world? Mm. Yeah. I think it's like these numbers have probably gone up. It used to be $1,300 per person per year gambling. I've never get, I've put a one dollar in a pokey machine. Really? Do you win? Yeah, hundred bucks. Oh, I never tap went out, back. Tap out. <laughs> Wollonga, <laughs> Wollonga Top Pub <laughs> had me good. <laughs> That's a great win. All right, let's kickstart today's episode. So we want to start with the women here. What is the most common theme that you are seeing within women, particularly struggling within their relationships? Oh, well, this is long, but probably. Um, I think for a lot of women, there's a real struggle around really being seen, being free. There's a lot of like control over the top of women. And for a lot of them, they lose themselves in relationships. What I'll say with that as well is a lot of them didn't know themselves before they got into relationships. So whether they're in the relationship or I work with a lot of women who are coming out of it, they're like, fuck, I don't know who I am. Mm. Yeah. Massive, especially Massive. when you've got children to the mix as yeah. well. Yeah. And I know that I see that a lot in regards to the people that I have in my community is that mm. when you become a mom, you've put so much time and energy into raising kids that once they're at school, there's that identity shift of who am I when my children are not needing mm. me or who am I when my relationship's broken down and I'm alone 
raising children now. Yeah. It's, it's, for me, it's scary. I know you and I have a lot of similar thoughts around relationships is it's the biggest investment you'll ever make. Mm. And I really don't think for a lot of people it's thought through properly. Not only that, but if you look at the results, they're not amazing. No. 60% end in divorce. And I would question a lot of that 40%. Yeah. (laughs) I would question a lot of that 40% that are left in there, how happy, fulfilled they are, how conditioned they are. And even for a lot of people, the shame that might come up if they were to leave. Like we've created, I think, a society where – it feels it feels better to stay in an unhappy relationship mm, than to make success. the call of leaving a relationship. Oh, how long have you guys been together? We've been together 35 years. Oh, fuck, we've only been happy two. Mm. Oh, well done, badge of honour, 35 years. Cool. Well, How even I'm guilty of that this morning, saying that to you in regards to some people that we know. Mm. I was like, yeah, they've been married since she was 18. Mm. And it's, it is. It's yep. such a subconscious wiring of that mm. that they must be happy. Like even, yeah, I was listening to a podcast this morning and one of the big take homes for me was unhealthy masculine leaves too early and the unhealthy feminine stays too long, which I thought was so powerful because it's so true. Women want to hang on. Mm. We don't want to be a failure. We like to people please. It's Mm. such a deep feminine trait for us to ensure that everyone around us is nurtured and looked after feminine trait. Correct. Well. Sorry. Really, Thank you for <laughs> really that. Really important. Mm-hmm. Really important. So, and I'm sure we'll talk about that at some stage, the difference between the masculine and the feminine. But one of the things as well on a really deep level to understand if we're talking about energies just briefly is that the deepest energetic, I guess, value from a male point of view is purpose, passion, mission, career on mm. a deep, deep level. So that's really important for the masculine to be aligned. On a deep, deep level from a feminine point of view, is the need for connected family, potentially, life force, safety, um, safety love, mm. right? So if that's your deepest value, then you're going to do everything to hold on to it. You know, combine that with the conditioning that is fascinating around, you know, divorce and whatever it might be. Mm. It's, I'm sure you've experienced this firsthand, but like that's heartbreaking to think how many women are unhappy whether it be in the relationship or just gen- like you've got one life. I mean, let's not get too spiritual. We've got more, <laughs> more lives than one, but let's just keep it surface level. You've got one life and here you are, you know, respectfully, like staying in something too long, wasting it, you know, with the wrong person, whatever it might be. And for me, like, oh, like that's heartbreaking that anyone is doing that. So I actually did a poll on my Instagram and 93% of women were currently unhappy in their relationship. which blows my mind because, and I want to give this the benefit of the doubt. Let's say they've just had an argument with their partner. Mm. It could have been a bad day. They might've been PMSing, whatever that might Mm. be. Still 93% of those people are currently unhappy in a relationship and staying consciously. This is a conscious decision for them to vote. I'm in an unhappy relationship. It is absolutely mind blowing when you look at it like that. Where we need to go as well is to be empathetic and compassionate to the endless reasons that they're still there. Massive. Endless reasons. Mm. Whether they, you know, like financial alone is massive. And mm. I know how passionate you are about this. Financial freedom and independence for women is yeah. like my. <laughs> yeah. And you and I have spoken about this before mm. as well. Like I love the thought of, you know, even women working with you because you are so savvy business for them to one, work out, you know, what they value and what they might be interested in and then to turn it into something profitable, which mm. means, cool, I'm an independent woman, I do what I want. Do you know what I mean? Like that for me is massive. Yeah. And on that, in regards to within a salary or a role that a woman is in for in financial independence, it doesn't have to mean that you're in a relationship that you may experience financial abuse down the track. Mm. It's about establishing that from the very get-go is that even say 20% of your entire salary gets put into a separate account to ensure that you have the freedom to spend it on things that you want without having to get questioned on that. So there's so many different things and areas in relation to financial freedom that allow women to have that safety and security for themselves as well, Mm. which I find so important and such a common theme for women. Yeah. 
In regards to coaching and the themes that you see, trying to stay on the whole um, female, women, mm. gender just for now, what about in life in general, other than relationships? Um, one, of the, one of the common ones, I guess, is the way in which they've suppressed themselves massively. Often um, their voice, their sexuality, their like ability to be seen fully. So that's a massive one that they're struggling with. Um, a lot of them it's, you know, they're in that kind of comparison compete mode where they're not really focused on themselves, mm. often not knowing who they are um, on their own. And, you know, a big part, unfortunately, is is um, so much of it stems from having not done the deep work around who they are. Mm whether it's the conditioning of, you know, how you should be good girl, you know, you need to be um, the white picket fence, the 2.5 kids, you know, mm. and, and not going, well, fuck, do I actually want that? Mm. And then they find themselves in this route and then, they, you know, some of them are coming to me five years into a marriage, 10 years into a marriage and going, fuck, I didn't want this life. Yeah, and and just assuming that you would want children. Yeah. yeah. What, who, who makes that assumption for you? Yeah, and... God, you're going to get judged if you don't have children. Yeah, you're going to get asked <laughs> what, what happened. Yeah. yeah, yeah, something went wrong because you didn't want children. Or yeah. You didn't have children. It's it's insane that that's even become part of the way that we think that you just have to yeah. buy a house, go to university, settle down, have children. That's it. That's your life done. Meat and free veg. Yeah, retire at sixty five, and then realize that you've just missed your whole life. Yeah, and that's yeah. when you're supposed to be free and have the ability to have all the adventures and, yeah, play around. All right, so what do you, what common themes do you see within relationships within men? I do actually want to ask, just before we touch on that, your current clients that you're coaching, mm. is it more females or males at it's the moment? It's probably 60% um, females and 40% males. Yep. What I have seen, which I think is super encouraging for females is a massive shift in the last couple of years of more blokes doing the work. Mm. One of the most common themes with women that I work with, and I'm sure I'm drawing it in for a reason, is the amount of women who are doing the work and worried that their dynamic's going to change with the male, mm. whether he's not doing, which is super common, he's not doing the work, she's growing, she's expanding, she's taking this path and mm -hmm. he's kind of doing, you know, the same thing day in, day out. And that's a really challenging place to be, mm. especially if, you know, there's marriage, there's kids and you've just like, fuck, I'm on a different page. Like mm. a lot of them are on different pages mm. and a lot of them have potentially initially shown up a certain way and suppressed certain parts of them and now realising whether it's, you know, that wild element, whether it's the fun element, whether it's, you know, um, Glennon Doyle untamed. Untamed. Like for me... That is massive. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like I really want to help women step into the fullest version of themselves, whatever that looks like. And, and no one else is to tell you what that looks like except mm. for you. And in order for that to happen, the masculine, we'll just talk heterosexual for this um, podcast, is to create a really safe container instead of a cage. Mm. And I feel like a lot of people, women – in a cage. 100%. Yep. And then it's the freedom piece to yep. that where a woman who values freedom or is a high core value of freedom, mm. instead of being caged and abiding by that, will run. Yep. Yep. And the other thing as well, shadow work's really interesting around this to give a really simple explanation. Shadow, shadow work is essentially the denied, suppressed part of yourself. Mm. So let's say, for example, you, you know, you do have a wild streak and like pretty much all of us do, it's just whether it's suppressed or not, if you push it down for long enough, it's going to show up in a dysfunctional, disorientated, distorted way at some stage, whether that's a night out with the girls and all of a sudden it's a Week. 6 a.m. <laughs> or a three, three day -er. And, you know, for me, one of the big things is let's work out who you really are mm. and let's bring those shadow parts back in and see how we can integrate them in a healthy way whether it's the way that you show up as a mother, whether it's the way that you show up, you know, in your career, in your relationship, in your sexuality, whatever it may be, bring all these parts back in. Mm. Because one of the challenges I think that a lot of people have is, especially social media doesn't help this, is there's a striving for perfection, mm. which will often mean that we're trying to hide certain parts of us. Mm. So we're moving further and further and further away from who we truly are. And then we're trying to show up a certain way. And there's these parts 
that are suppressed. The thing to remember about those parts, they're not going anywhere. Mm. You don't just you don't just like leave them at the bus stop <laughs> and that part Run that away. Bye. <laughs> see how I'm on the bus. <laughs> like they're still there. Mm. So it's really important that you understand that the more you suppress it, in the suppression of it, you're actually charging it as well. Mm. And right? it'll come out with it'll fire. Come yeah. Vengeance. Yeah. So how do you integrate that? How do you get on the front foot? How do you move back towards being whole, showing up fully as yourself? obviously in an environment that's conducive to that, mm. to allow you to really feel free, fulfilled and yourself. And in regards to that, just adding to that further is that I'll 100% happily speak up. So for in relation to the social media part of being perfect, that is my whole purpose of Flourish and Fulfilled mm. is that I am human. Mm. I make mistakes. I own my mistakes. And that's kind of why I actually publicly make all of the mistakes that I've ever made, mm. put it out there because it actually normalises the shit that I know everyone's going through mm. because all of my friends have gone through it. I, I see all of the clients and the community in Flourish and Fulfilled that are like, wow, like, okay, that normalises it for mm. me. And I think there's so much shame towards that shadow work of if I have this wild streak in me, mm. I am no longer um, society's idea of perfect or whatever mm. that might look like. And then in regards to <laughs> having that wild streak, that mm. is me. Yep. So my entire childhood was suppressed being um, raised in a very religious upbringing, there was none of that. It mm. was be a good girl, do this X, Y, Z. And so for me, that does present. And that presents for me as running an absolute mark. Mm. And the way that I have had to ensure that I'm not doing things that are self-sabotaging in a healthy way is introduce adventure and fun and freedom into my life in ways that isn't done in a healthy way so that that doesn't come out as me running away. So how that this, this is the stuff I love. So how did that look, say, 10 years ago? Because mm. I know how um, big your growth has been over the last three years in particular. How did that um, good girl suppressed part of you show up even five years ago, maybe 10, mm. maybe ten years ago, mm. to how it would be integrated now? Yeah. Well, I would go out and party. And for me, I don't mm. enjoy partying. I'm introverted. I don't actually enjoy going out and drinking. I don't even like the taste of alcohol. But what I crave in that moment is the freedom and the surrendering to not mm. having responsibility. And that's what then I chase. So I chase that feeling of being able to surrender to not having to be responsible. And so 10 years ago, it would have looked like me going out and partying and mm. just being like, I can't feel any sort of emotional responsibility. Mm. Whereas now the way that that looks is for me to go on a jet ski, go hiking, um, do something that I feel like is that adrenaline pump. It's yeah. not going out partying. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a perfect, um, the way that you do it is so good because shame only holds grip over you when it's in the shadows. In the shadows. So as soon as you normalize something, and I know obviously you did your Yoni mapping episode as well, which opened a can of worms. <laughs> as soon as you do something where you bring shame to light, it falls away. Mm. And one of the best things I think um, anyone can do is almost create like a shame circle mm. where you can talk about your deepest, darkest thoughts and share them. And often, you know, when I'm working with women, that's somewhere we will go because mm. they'll realise when I'm just holding space for them and they go to the darkest thoughts. It's like, yeah, cool. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> like... There's nothing wrong with that. That's a thought that you had or that's a desire that you want to express or look into, whatever it may be. And the right environment is great for you to, again, have that safe container mm. to explore it or to voice it and then the shame falls away from it. The media have such an immense power when mm. it comes to shame because, like, I've been slut-shamed and that's- Really? Yeah. I got Jesus. caught- yeah, I know. Thank you, Church Mouse. <laughs> is this, see, anyone that knows me is like, oh, okay, like I'm, I'm definitely not. Yeah. So for me, it's like it's almost laugh or you laugh, yeah. so it's laughable. Yeah. However, they use the term man-eater. Jesus, that's savage. Isn't it? Yeah. And so, is this recently? Yeah. And like Nath even screenshotted it to me and was like, aha, uh -huh, I'm going to change your name in my phone Jesus. as Maneater. And instead of being really hurt by it, mm. I owned it. And mm. I was like, ha, they think I'm a Maneater. Mm. How good. Yeah. Like, and that was a massive piece for me. This is good. Mm. So one of the things when it comes to integrating all parts of you 
is to know that you're capable of all parts. Mm. So similar to you is I've been called all different names on social media and the old me who was trying to show up a certain way and trying to be good Blake or coach Blake was the term I got called by my ex-girlfriend, which is very methodical, clean cut, which you know I'm not really that clean cut, like would be really um, upset and try to, you know, oh, no, I'm not like that. Mm. I'm like, yeah, I can mm. be a prick. And I'm, most of the time I'm a nice guy. I can be savage and I can be empathetic. You know, empathetic. Mm. Like I am all of it. Mm. And that moves um, – you know, again, if you come after, you know, you say bad things about my, you know, friends, family, then yeah, you may get the absolute savage part of me. Mm. And most of the time I'm pretty chilled at the same time. Mm. Mm. Yeah. All right. So back onto the question back I was originally going to ask. I didn't want to move on before we actually went deeper into that. But what is the most common theme that you see within relationships within males? What are the men having issues with from a men's um, perspective? What's the relationship dynamics happening? I think for men, there's, there actually is a desire, and this isn't spoken of, but there is a desire to be seen. They often won't realise that they want to be seen. And, you know, one of the common um, themes that I've seen is there's lots of talk around women wanting to be seen, mm. but there's very little in, in that reverse. And mm. a lot of blokes potentially can't articulate it, but there's a desire to be seen in all that they are. Mm. Because you've got to remember as well, like, you know, blokes have desires and dreams and everything and want to be supported in that and a space that's really well held. What's really interesting about that is you've got to remember that you can only take someone as far as you've been yourself. Mm. All right. So if, you know, for example, if you have some real kind of edgy thoughts and someone's holding that space for you, have they been to that place for themselves before? Mm. Because if they haven't, then they may struggle to hold that space for you as well. Mm. So blokes are really struggling to feel seen and heard. And, you know, one of the common themes is that a lot of women will kind of, you know, nudge their men our way saying, um, you know, he can't, he can't communicate or he can't speak or whatever. It's bullshit. Like we've seen it time and time again. Mm. Nine out of ten, I reckon, blokes in particular over the last few years that I've worked with, just haven't had the right environment. Mm. Like we've found them open up real quick. Yeah. So, you know, while there's a, a common theme that blokes can't communicate and, and blokes can't connect, there needs to be a little bit of ownership back on the feminine in terms of creating that real open, safe environment because blokes will go there if the environment's right. And what I've seen, you know, I've got a lot of um, good girlfriends who know how to hold that space is, you know, he might be um, – not communicating in your relationship that you've been in for eight years. Let mm. me put him with someone who I know can hold the space. Mm. And within 45 minutes, he's open, fully transparent, vulnerable, communicating mm. in ways that you've never even, mm. you know, seen in that eight years that you've been with him. Mm. The thing about women as well is that in our healthy fem feminine, we are emotional creatures. Mm. And so we automatically go into that emotional state instead of seeing it for exactly what it is. The other um, thing in regards to men feeling seen, and I know that both of us have studied with the Gottman Institute. Mm. So one of the big things with that is going in with a gentle startup. And I think it's like yep. the stats are like 80% difference. Yeah, um, And so- how can women allow their men to feel seen and in what scenario? Do you want to explain the gentle startup this and the government? Yeah. Mm. So the, to take it sideways just for a second, mm. one of the most important things to remember is that um, blokes don't do two things at once very well. Mm. So if you're trying to connect with him, especially in the early stages, you might want to create what's called a ritual of connection. Mm. And that is essentially – organizing a specific time each week for connection. Mm. So, you know, if you're trying to talk to him when he's had a massive day and he's sitting on the couch with a beer watching the footy or the news, you're going to be pissed off. Mm. He's probably going to be resentful. Mm. And that level of connection that you're looking for probably isn't going to be reached. So a ritual of connection might be a case of, you know, every Sunday you go for a walk and just talk about the relationship. Mm. And it could be that you've got, you know, four or five different questions that you ask, like, you know, how would you have liked to have been supported this week? You know, what's um, one thing that you wish you said that, you know, you didn't? Just questions that open that up. 
And, you know, in the, in the masculine's mind, that's essentially almost like a meeting. You mm. know, there's a meeting at 9am every Sunday. I've right, got to be right. present. I'm not going to have my phone. I'll be there and I'll be open to it. Mm-hmm. So that's really important to have that ritual of connection. I think at the very least weekly, I mean, if you do it daily, are you about to go there? Sorry. It also, it also stops having, um, so let's say you don't argue or have any conflict for say two or three months, right? You're somebody that doesn't have any conflict for two or three months. But when you have that conflict, Mm. you have arguments from two months ago when they said X, Y, Z, and you've got an index for that argument Mm. and you start bottling it all up and that causes resentment. And once you hit that resentment stage, it's very hard to come back from. And so these rituals of connection allow you to be able to connect on a deeper level I personally like daily I remember saying, before yeah. bed yeah. because especially if you're somebody with an anxious attachment style, mm. before bed ensuring that you're both on the same page and allowing you both to be able to express anything that happened for that day and being able to move through it in the time when mm. it happened yeah. means that in two months' time when an argument might present, you're not holding on to shit from mm. six weeks ago on a Tuesday morning when you walked out without saying goodbye and it yep. didn't even matter. Do you yep. know what I mean? Like, yeah. And to take that to the next level, when you talk about resentment, is there something that the Gottman Institute talk about, which is flooding? Mm, great at it. Yeah. <laughs> you do it well. <laughs> you do it so well. So flooding is essentially, to, to simplify it, where you get your heart rate above 100 is the number that they picked. Mm. And really what that's saying is that you just find yourself in a heightened state. Mm. If you're in a heightened state, the conversation generally isn't going to end that well. Mm. So it's really important. And that, you know, tying that into what you just said, if you've been holding something for two months, good chance when it comes up, it's coming up in a heightened state. Oh, yeah. Whereas if you've been holding something for 24, 48 hours, then you're probably not as heightened. Mm. So to bring that back to kind of communication, if you're in a flooded state, tap out. Mm. Don't continue the conversation. What's really important to understand here is someone's attachment style because if you tap out and the other person's an anxious attachment style and you haven't communicated that you're taking half an hour, 45 minutes to tap out and you've got this Mm. anxious attached person, they're coming after you. Yeah. Come back. We haven't finished this conversation. Yeah. So that's an important bit. You're going to say something. No, so with the Gottman Institute is what they suggest is that if the relationship is on loop, that a 40 to 60 minute window or tap Mm. out period is the best possible thing to be able to reconvene to ensure that you both have stopped the flooding. I am like master flutter. Mm. As soon as I feel emotionally heightened or triggered, I entirely shut down. My whole Mm. body is just like, get me out of this situation. Mm. And I go internal. Give me 40 minutes or 60 minutes outside walking and I'm totally fine and Mm. present and be able to continue. So it's really important to understand as well how your partner responds and knowing their attachment style. Yeah. Mm. So even to go internal, just um, a trait that you used to do really well. well. There's a thing called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Mm. And that's essentially four don't do's in a relationship. Mm. And for me in a relationship previously, I realized that I did all four. So did you know that from this this checklist, yeah. in the first 10 minutes, yep. John Gottman, good. Yeah, in the first 10 minutes of meeting a couple mm. can determine their longevity in yep. 10 minutes yep. from these four yep. horsemen. So to talk about them is John and Julie have had the Gottman Institute for 40 years and they, I think the experiment is where they put them in a room together and there's a whole bunch of cameras mm. and they, I think they say something, there's a story around it, this is back in the day and essentially they say, you know, just kind of convene and and interact and whatever. And these four things are pretty much just like dead for your relationship. So the one that I was talking about before was stonewalling. And essentially exactly as it sounds, you just shut down. Mm. All right. And that is um, super common. And on a deep psychological level, what actually happens with a lot of people who are stonewalling is that they, it's actually coming from a good place because they're, they don't want to say what they're about to say. People pleasing. Yeah. Mm. So that then instead of like going savage on someone, they literally just shut it down, mm. albeit not a healthy trait. So that's the first one. The second one is contempt. And to really simplify that, that is coming across as superior to someone else. And I think um, from what I've seen and the research that I've done, definitely a more male attribute than Mm. females, definitely not exclusive by any means, but a super common one in males. And that's where 
you know, one of my um, passions is essentially, um, or one of the things that also kind of upsets me is seeing how small often women become in their relationship, losing yeah. themselves, shrinking and, and really playing small as opposed to um, the man creating a container to allow them to explore every part of themselves and kind of flourish in their fullest mm. version as well, which I think is an amazing environment to create. The third one's defensiveness, which um, is pretty easy to understand. And the fourth one is criticism. So mm. if you take those four out of a relationship, mm. you're putting yourself in a really healthy position for the relationship to work. When you mentioned before in regards to creating a safe container to be able to flourish, I like to look at the analogy of Nathan I's marriage because that was like a decade of me being able to grow entirely mm. into who I am and mm. who I am today in all areas and all elements, mm. not just my self-growth, but also my spirituality, my career, mm. me as a mum. And it allowed me to be able to have that safe container within my relationship to go and do what I needed to do. Mm. How many men do you think can support that safe container? 0.1%. Is that statistic? No, I don't no. know the statistics. Okay. <laughs> but, I, but I'd say it's it's around that. And, you know, one of the things that um, from what you've told me, Nath did really well is he just created a safe, non-judgmental mm. container mm. and was always there. Like he's always – I mean the, the easy way to describe it and the way – I don't know if you ever use this language for him, but the way that based on what you, you said – he always felt like home. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He still does. Yeah. And that's, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah he, he still does. And mm. for me, that's, I think, why we've been able to still continue the mm. relationship we have because mm. when I s still see him, I still get that sense of, oh, you yeah. know, like it still yeah. allows me to be able to be who I am. Yeah. Even now. Like yeah. he yeah. just doesn't judge me. He just goes, oh God. Okay. Yeah. Like, which you is know, amazing. Yeah. Like such a beautiful such a, change. Yeah. And also me being that anxious attachment style and him being secure. Yeah. Huge, huge. Massive. Yeah. Yeah. So what that will naturally do is bring you more into your secure attachment style, mm. the fact that he's there. The other thing to um, balance that out, and this is a really interesting theme. Did you ever see um, Sex Life, the show on? Mm. Yeah. So this is a perfect example. This, mm. this is where I think a lot of people struggle. Esther Perel talks about this really well, is the desire from the feminine to have safe, secure, stable element mm. within the masculine and the wild, the wild, adventurous, spontaneous element, which I'm sure you've seen and I've seen is so rare for men to have both. They're either like super safe, homebody, like amazing, or they're the wild, adventurous, often fuck boys that go down that path and very few know how to integrate both parts, but mm. that is what, on a deep level, the feminine desires. Do you feel that sex life, this is just on this, do you feel that TV series provoked or encouraged affairs and cheating? It I think provoked it provoked a lot it. of anxiety <laughs> for a lot of people because for a lot of people, they realise. Because of that guy's massive schlong. That is. Do you know how many. A weapon. It's, nah, it has to be a prosthetic. It's, nah. And he's an Aussie. Yeah. And they're actually they're together, which is why I feel that chemistry actually was there. Yeah. I think it that show would have brought up a lot for a lot of people. Mm. The part where like, fuck, this is my relationship in terms of the marriage. Mm. And then the part like for a lot of women around desire in yeah. terms of what he created, that desire yeah. piece. Yep. What I find fascinating is, and I think you and I have spoken about this before, like that show, Fifty Shades, what's the other one? 365? Yeah, that one, that was like borderline rape culture though. Yeah, Sorry. I agree. I agree. And what is it about those three that have made them some of the highest rating, like take that apart, mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm, and I don't, mm -hmm. I don't want to kind of get, get shredded for, for <laughs> parts, of the, mm -hmm. parts of that um, movie in 365. But there's a reason that those three movies, shows – were as popular as they were. Because I don't feel, well, in relation to a lot of it, and I don't know if this is actually relevant, I don't feel that sex is discussed as prevalently as it should be in day-to-day oh. -day conversation, but it is something that we are all doing. So I do feel like those shows on Netflix being heightened and highlighting that, people want to know it, people mm. want to see it. Um, however, I don't think, in my opinion, 
they were done in healthy ways. Yeah. I definitely know that for me, I think it was the 365 one. I started watching it with you and Janoa one day. That's right. And yeah. I was like, nah. I'm yeah, out. it wasn't like, for you. Yeah. I was just like, nah, this is not yeah. okay. Whereas I know a lot of women who loved, loved that. Yeah. Loved yep. it. So I think the other thing that's really interesting to remember is everything that evokes some emotion in you is a trigger in you. Is a trigger 100%. in you. So, and I know, like, yeah. 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 So, again, not to say that that's right or wrong, mm. but if that's bringing up stuff for mm. you, that's always worth exploring. 100%. Yeah. And I definitely felt like with um, sex life, yeah. see, I really enjoyed it as oh, a whole. So anxious because that's my nightmare, that marriage. A bore, like, respectfully, a boring, like, same. I was anxious the whole I've, I've never had so much anxiety in my life. Watching a show. How many men do you think went and checked their women's computers after watching <laughs> yeah. that? Yeah. Like. Yeah. Uh, but imagine having. Like, see, I, it didn't end. Sorry, I fully cut you off. But it didn't right. end how I thought it was going to end. Yeah. And so at the end I was like, and I promoted it on social. So I was like, this is so hot and heavy. Mm. Like, go watch this. And then I watched the ending and I was like. Oh. Don't have an affair. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, you're at it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe don't go back to the big dick guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but that outcome aside, whatever it's bringing up for you, explore. Yeah. Because if it's a level of like, what I find fascinating is, and I'm, I know you've experienced this in your world um, through followers and everything as well, is how many women won't communicate their, their deepest yeah. desires. Yeah, 100%. What the fuck is going on? Shame. We are slut shamed from the moment yeah. that we are actually, and I- Before that, go go further back, wash your bits. You create disassociation from it, from the time mum tells you to wash your bit. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. This is one. I'm not sure. I can't even remember what it was. But one day I did EFT and my sexual shame was back. I can't even remember. I would actually say what it was, but it was when I was seven. Mm. And it was so fascinating that that yeah. was a narrative that I had already told myself mm. from the age of seven. So that was a belief system that I had created. Yeah. And I only remembered that from EFT. So insane that we can already create those belief systems at yeah. such an early age. Yeah. All right, so when you, I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm moving along now. <laughs> Sex life's great, really cool, great, we're moving on. All right, so when you start working with a client that mm. is perhaps a couple yep. and you have a different set of core values for the masculine, the feminine, the woman, the female, mm. and they're entirely different. So let's go, um, mm. as the male, he has a set of core values and they are freedom, mm. He has let's let's go really masculine here. Freedom, spontaneity, adventure, yep. fun. Mm. Right? That's his core values. Yep. And hers are safety, hers are security, mm. and hers are stability. Yeah. So they are polar opposite core mm. values. Yeah. What do we see here within this relationship dynamic? So this is um, like a brilliant question because there's a number of schools of thought around this. Mm. Dr. Martini, who loves values, mm. is of the belief that you should search far and wide to find someone who's got very similar values. Mm. And then you go into someone's work like Don Miguel Ruiz, who's like, you, the, the whole practice of a relationship is, is based around growth and whatever it's triggering yeah. in you is an opportunity to explore that part of you, grow into it, find a way to love more unconditionally. Mm. So there's a couple of different rules um, or schools of thought. Above all else, really is to think about what your non-negotiables are. Mm. Like what are the two, three, four non-negotiables? Mm. And one of the challenges for a lot of relationships these days is my partner's meant to be everything. They're meant to be my sexual partner, my connection, my communication, the person I go and do sprints with, person I have a pie with at the footy, we're going to go for beers as well. Like they're meant to be everything. Mm. So what are your non-negotiables with that person? Mm. And find friends, communities, clubs, coaches, yep. coaches that support the other one. Mm. You know, and I've got a perfect example of a mate loves running. His missus fucking hates exercise <laughs> and he's trying to get her out running. Like, Leave her do alone. you want to create resentment? Because that's the way to go about it. Mm. So working out, yeah, the, the few things that are non-negotiables and then how do you get those others filled elsewhere? And as I said before, one of the biggest challenges for a lot of women, growth, naturally people that, you know, listen to this podcast and reach out to me, naturally we're going to attract people that are big on growth. Right, mm. And for a lot of guys, there's not. So what does that look like? Can you get it fed elsewhere? Is that a non-negotiable? That is something. And at the end of the day, if 
over an extended period of time, you have nothing left in common with that person, that's an issue. Mm. And that's where growth can lead. I think growth is like growth is my everything. And you can imagine how relationships that growth is not important would mm. actually work because you're doing the same shit and you have for the last 10 or 15 years. Mm. But what happens if growth is a priority and you're growing, you expand, all of a sudden you're interested in that and this and that, like that can have its challenges in a relationship mm. if the other person doesn't value growth as well. The other thing to consider here is that if, say, the female is valuing safety, security, stability, mm. routine, that type of thing, and the male is valuing freedom and adventure and fun mm. and spontaneity, is how does that individually reflect into their day-to-day life? And mm. how do you both get your needs met? Mm. Because what you may find is that the more that she is craving stability, security, safety and routine, mm. he is just running and yep. wanting to create fun mm. and she's feeling like they're pulling away. However, if you both understand where you're coming from and being able to express that and have that communication within each other, then you're both being able to get your needs met. Yeah. Or even in a, to, to, that's like perfect, to break it into a really simple example, let's say that one person's um, top value is business and the other person's value is fine dining. That person, you know, the, the bloke loves business but is a meat three veg, doesn't, has no interest in fine dining, but she does. Then what you could potentially do is think like, how can I bring those two together? Mm. Well, let's go out with another couple whose husband also loves talking business mm. and whose wife loves fine dining and you guys can talk about business while we get to kind of hit, you know, that that desire of fine dining, whatever it may be. So there's ways to integrate both, but definitely at the very base, understand each other's core values and respect it. Mm. Like respect is something that seems simple, but is lost often. Mm. Mm. 100%. Now, when we talk about masculine and feminine energy, do you want to mm. break that down in the polarity of that a little bit further? Because within us, regardless of our gender, we still have masculine, feminine, mm. and it's not necessarily a negative. It has to be done in a healthy manner and flow. Do you want to talk about what that actually is for people that don't know? Yeah. So um, if you're interested in a healthy sex life, which we, like, let's just hope and assume that everyone is, then polarity is really important. Polarity being pole opposite. Mm. All right. So- as a general rule of thumb, but a, str a pretty strong one, most men are going to be stronger in their masculine energy. Most women are going to be stronger in their feminine. And in today's world, I think we've got this clusterfuck where the masculine is becoming more feminine, mm. the feminine is becoming more masculine, mm. and in this middle, we're creating this neutral space, which for polarity is horrible. Mm. So what's really important with that is to honour what is important to you from a masculine energy and a feminine and also spend time strengthening that, mm. right? And that's not to say that you will always be, you know, if you're masculine, you'll always be in your masculine. There'll be no. times where it's, you know, important for you to drop into your feminine and vice versa. You know, one of the challenges for a lot of women these days is that, you know, there's a lot of career women. And as a general rule of thumb, but a pretty strong one, a career tends to have a more masculine energy. You're more than welcome to use me as an example. You do it really well. Yeah. What you do well now, now that you've understood this concept, is you know how to transition. So I didn't cry for six years. Yeah. Which we now. have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Different story. I, I actually posted a reel last night because it's like that flow of hormones and mm. feminine and woman nature. And it used to be such a negative and such a shameful thing for me. Is mm. that like I was taught that crying was not attractive. It was not mm. something that anybody wanted in a relationship. So for me, I was business, business, business. And within my relationship dynamics, it definitely shifted because I became the masculine. I wasn't in my feminine at all. Like, mm. sure, I birthed twins and that was probably my most feminine yeah. moment. But throughout that entire time, I was like, mm. like not even slightly in my feminine. Mm. Every single move was done from a masculine place of logic, do this, do that, next step. And the dynamics in the relationship then shifted because within that relationship, they took on the role of the feminine. They took on the role of the house person. They mm. took on the role of being that um, domestic role, mm. which then shifts everything. So their feminine goes up and their mm. masculine decreases. And the way that you strengthen your masculine is to hanging around men. Mm. Do you want to go deeper into that? Yeah, yeah. massive. The, fir the first thing that I want to go back to with you as well to understand this is 
to know what a transition looks like. Mm, okay. All right. So for example, when you're in work mode, mm. you do masculine energy better than just about <laughs> anyone else I've ever met. And it works for you. Mm. Like you've created what you've created mm. to a large degree because your masculine works really well. So what that would look like is what does it require from you when you leave work to soften and surrender into more of your feminine mm. to allow the masculine to kind of step up, but also be more empowered to step into their masculine. To feel held. To so for me, yeah. that is my entire thing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So that's really important as well. What was the other part of the question? Uh, how can the masculine strengthen their masculine? Yeah. So there's a number of ways. There's, I think three of the primary ways is you need to heal your relationship with your father. If that's not healthy, then you're probably going to show up in a number of unhealthy masculine traits, mm. forcing, dominant, those kind of unhealthy ones. Second one, which is really simple, is to have male friends. Mm. And not only just to have male friends, but have male friends that will hold you accountable to mm. a high standard, encourage you. We call it challenge and champion. Mm. So they'll, cha they'll champion you, but they'll also challenge you to step up. Mm. Because if you're just going to the pub with males and you're just like, you know, how's your week good? How's your... Know, partner good. Num, num, yeah, num, 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 num. That's bullshit. Like mm. you need to find real, like strong, conscious mm. blokes who mm. are going to kind of like challenge you and have you step up. And the third one is to um, constantly set yourself challenges. So even being small, that will have you step more and more into the masculine and aligned with your career. Like that's going to be a, a big part. Mm. You know, uh, a famous quote by David Data, if you're not penetrating the world with your purpose, passion or mission, you're not going to penetrate your partner either. I love, I love the word penetrate. You do. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it's, just, it's like one of those moist words. Yeah. Um, and in regards to me not crying for six years and being too much in my masculine, mm. that definitely figure out why you are. Yes. And that stems from feminine wound for me. So, yeah. Mm. So, that, and, and I think you can attest to this as well, a bloke who is aligned in his purpose, passion or mission, you can feel. Mm. You can feel his energy. You can feel his spark. You can see that look in his eye, that fire in his stomach, and that's a really attractive trait. The thing as well from a feminine point of view is if you didn't trust your primary masculine role model, mm. your dad, mm. or you are heavy in your career or you didn't, you know, you've had some bad relationships with the masculine in the past, then don't be surprised if you find yourself stepping more into the masculine almost as a protective mechanism as well. So that's where one of these things, you know, that's really important. We spoke about this earlier. For the masculine to create a, a space, a super safe space to allow the feminine to surrender because if she doesn't feel seen, heard, understood, safe, mm. she's probably not going to surrender into that feminine. So safety is the underlying of everything yep. to that. The other factor in regards to wounded masculine is that it doesn't just stem from our generational traumas or mm. parents or anything. We're now, especially in Australia, we have this massive, toxic, yep. unhealthy yep. masculine energy. Mm. And whether we want to acknowledge it or not, the stats don't lie. Numbers don't lie. Yeah. And so we're seeing so much like DV is, it's like 93% yeah. increase over the last two years. Yeah. Our stats are so alarming mm. and it, it stems, we had the um, founder of Rise Up and I know yeah, that you guys have done, done a lot of work with yeah. yeah, with her as well is that she was saying that this actually starts with all of us mm. and it stops with all of us. Mm. It's the conversations we have. It's the jokes we laugh at mm. that creates that toxic masculinity mm. and being able to encourage and also ensure that our children are stopping this generational shift and um, passing that on to the generations to come. The other point of that and the polarity to that is that masculine energy is not a negative yep. and we need that. And as you mentioned to start the um, conversation in regards to feminine, masculine and polarity is that in order for us to have great sex, we have to have that healthy mm. shift and be able to surrender to that masculine. Yeah. So just on that, I don't know if we necessarily created unity in the way that we handled the uproar a couple of years ago. We, we brought to light the fact- I'm going to give you a book, she said. <laughs> <laughs> we brought to light that there's a very big issue, mm. but we also created a lot of division. Mm. So for us to understand, like one thing I came to realize about 18 months ago is I didn't appreciate women as much as I'd like to. Mm. And that, that stems from a long way back. So when you're looking at, at the male landscape, you need to remember 
that, and this isn't to excuse it, but this is to have insight into where it stems from. Mm. It's often stemming from their dad who stemmed from their dad mm-hmm. and they've, cut, they've been indoctrinated often into this shit patterns and beliefs around the feminine being smaller, you know, inferior to the masculine and often so deeply imprinted. Like I didn't realise that. I love women and I didn't realise until 18 months ago that I thought like – like to even say it, that I thought less of them. Till you met me. <laughs> <laughs> and we choose our behaviour. Yeah. Regardless That's, of our yeah. upbringing, yeah. we choose our behaviour. Mm. Regardless of what happened to us, we choose our yeah. behaviour. So I hear you and, and we choose our behaviour. Yeah. So where, where this starts is an awareness that you've got. Like I I couldn't deal, I couldn't heal mm. my lack of appreciation mm. until I knew it. And I heard the most beautiful exercise in regards to understanding that masculine feminine wound where you get 10 Mm. people, you know that one? So you get 10 people in a room together, the women line up on one side and the men line up on the other side Mm. and you ask a series of questions and you step forward towards each other. Mm. And the final question that was asked was, have you ever been sexually abused? Mm. And in this particular scenario that was done, every single woman stepped forward. But what was surprising to the facilitators was that almost all men stood forward as Mm. well. And I think that was eye-opening for so many of the women to understand that they aren't alone in that. Mm. And that's probably why as well, they've got these wounded masculine energy that they're projecting too. Yep. Yep. And just, you know, to come back to what Nate does really well and, and what I think is a you know beautiful environment is just to create a safe space that um, there's a level of accountability, but there's mm. also a level of compassion. Mm. Like whatever comes up, comes up. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Cool. It's not ideal, you know, in our relationship. Um, you've brought to light that I've got a masculine wound, you've know, mm. got some mummy daddy issues. Cool. I don't need judgment, but if you can create a safe place for me to go and work on that, that mm. that's a, you know, a really important thing. And that requires ownership. And I think one of the challenges for a lot of women is a lack of awareness from their, um, from the masculine in terms of, oh, fuck, like I've got a lot of stuff going on. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with having stuff. We all have stuff. Mm. But to have a level of awareness around it, because you can't own what you can't see. No. So awareness needs to come first, then ownership, and then just go do the work. And when you mentioned that a lot of women are sending men, so um, I don't know if we've even touched on this in regards to you run a men's group called Mm. Momentum. Yeah. And so a lot of women are sending their men to you and they're saying, he can't communicate, he can't do this. Mm. Have you looked in the mirror? Mm. Like us women are not perfect. And in most situations and scenarios, when a woman is presenting their partner, she's the one who needs to be healed. Mm. And it's fascinating because you have so much projection and the male is almost believing that they can't communicate because that's what she's telling him. Yeah. She, she would sit there and shut him down. Mm. And I know that you've got the Queen's Code book that we've spoken about so much in regards to this. And I see it often is that women are nagging their partners to do things. Mm. And in order to encourage your man to want to help out and to do the things that we would love them to do and perhaps Mm. acts of service is your love language. Mm. Nagging is not the way about that. Mm. And what happens is then the male then builds resentment towards that task, their partner, and then runs away. Mm. And so in order to build that um, situation and safe container within the relationship to be able to ensure that both needs are getting met and also she's not nagging which is then taking her toll as well to get the outcomes desired yeah it's not like the old ball and chain (laughs) isn't the ideal outcome for either for anyone for anyone Mm. and you know one of the big things with that is just shifting the way you approach that Mm. so let's say for example coming back to the example we've used a few times if you're looking for him you, you ideally would like him to step more into growth instead of talking about what he doesn't do Look for those little windows when he does do it. Mm. So it might be as simple as listening to a Joe Rogan podcast and you, from an authentic place, talk about how attractive you find that or how you know you, much you love that, whatever it is. And sometimes that may be hard, especially in the initial stages. Might, you're looking for the smallest window of positive reinforcement to reinforce. And like blokes want to feel desired. Mm. So if you're talking about the fact that you know, you love when he steps into his masculine and he takes the bins out. Well, he's walking around with a little bit of like chest pump. He's Mm. feeling a bit more desire. 
he's going to take the bin out five times a day if that's, you know, <laughs> building that kind of desire back as well that's potentially been lost. As we mentioned before in regards to daily rituals, mm. my big thing for this is top three, bottom three, because that, that allows you to create top threes for the day and bottom mm. threes for the day. But you can also do that in a way of top three of your partner for the day, bottom three for the partner mm. of the day. It doesn't have to be called bottom. It could be lessons or whatever you yeah. want to call that without mm. it being a negative connotation. And I really find that powerful because you are forced to find three beautiful things that they did that day. Mm. And it allows them to be able to understand as well what they did that allowed you to feel that way. Yeah. And that's like for me, you know, a lot, we spoke about resentment before. A lot of um, – the, the chemistry and everything that's lost, we spoke about polarity, but a lot of it is little chips of resentment mm. that are built over an extended period of time. Yep. And you, and you, they, like there's this gap between you two and that's because all these emotions and everything have been built. And coming back to resentment, it's often not the massive explosive things that happens. It's just little chips of resentment that build up that, you know, maybe in the early stages of a relationship, you're trying to not rock the boat so you don't speak up. And then, you know, this resentment's been building up for two, three years that you haven't communicated. And that's completely killed your ability to connect and communicate deeper because you haven't spoken up. Mm-hmm. So fascinating. Mm-hmm. Why do you believe in your opinion and the coaching clients that you've currently got and the couples that you're coaching, why do you believe that people stay in unhappy relationships? I think there's a massive stigma around leaving, mm. massive stigma. Like you're, you're, you're a failure, you know, society really glorifies, oh, you've been together for 35 years. But cool, like what's the quality of that 35 years? There's a real conditioning piece around staying in a relationship even when you're unhappy. Mm. You know, like the amount of judgment you may get or perceived judgment if you leave an unhappy relationship mm. is mind blowing. So a lot of people are too scared to leave. And obviously there's, there's other, um, you know, elements like financial and thing that play a role, but there's so much, you know, for me, I look at the landscape of relationships and this is why I've been, you know, so heavily invested in it for a long time now is it to me, it doesn't make sense why we, the way we're doing things. If 60% of relationships are ending in divorce and I question a lot of the 40% that are still there. Like, let's look at different ways to do it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? What are you saying? Monogamous. Well, po- polyamor- polyamorous. Each to their own. Let, coming like that in itself, we need to realize monogamy is a choice mm. because you look at, you know, if you look into the research, we're not actually made to be monogamous. And I'm not saying that it's right or wrong. I'm just, my mum's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> Mum, shut up. Um, I'm just saying that, like, choose your path. Who the fuck is to tell us yeah. what we should and shouldn't do, how our relationship should and shouldn't look, what vows we should, you know, say. Like, choose your own vows. Mm. A contract. You know, even for me, without getting too kind of spiritual, a contract to sign off on our love, like – For me, that in itself is something that like, if that doesn't feel right to you, question as well. A hundred percent. It's so interesting, the social constructs that we've created around relationships and that I read a thing, actually my uncle shared it yesterday on Facebook about the 1950s. And he was Mm. like, it had all these dot points that in the 1950s that sushi, um, raw raw fish was classified as something that only... um, people that are in poverty were eating and now it's classified as a delicacy and Mm. all these different things and everything has shifted except for that. And I was like, "Mm, very interesting concept. Yeah. I, um, it was for me very eye opening. I know that both of us have listened to Aubrey Marcus a lot and Mm. watching his dynamic change from being polyamorous to then meeting Viliana and Mm. like, seeing that shift for me was huge because I don't know whether that was ever how he truly was. He just hadn't met his match. Yeah. And me being such a hopeless romantic, I'm mm. like, oh, no, it's just that. Like, yeah. But, yeah, I don't really know and I like to explore that and ask the questions in regards to that. And that's that's all I ask is that, you know, whether it's my kind of NLP background tied in with um, my relationship work is strip it all back and work out who you are mm. and what you want. Mm. And then and there's follow no that. Right and wrong there's no that. right or wrong. No. If monogamy is good for you, cool. If poly is good for you, cool. If, you know, a thruple, even holistic psychologist got so much shit when she came out and said she was in a, a thruple. Um, what is a thruple? A three-way? A, a three-way, yeah. I've never heard of that term. Really? Also, what, 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 what was go. the word that the media called? Man-eater. Man-eater. Sick. Don't Thruples, even know what a thruple is. So what, I can have two boyfriends? If you want. Fuck it. <laughs> 
Who, who is anyone to say, this is my big thing, who's anyone to say what's right or wrong? Or if it works or, for you it and works it's for a you. safe, consensual Work relationship. who you are and build your relationship, your life around that. I love that. As always, thank you for joining us today, Blake. Um, now, if somebody is listening at home and they think that themselves or their partner can benefit um, from your teachings or coachings, how can they get in touch with you? And also just quickly touch on momentum and what it mm. actually is. Um, so the best way to touch base with me is probably um, my Instagram, Blake Royal Thompson, and blakeworldthompson.com is the website. And then Momentum is a brand I built with two mates, um, which is purely for men. You know, one of the things that we saw or I saw first and the boys, you know, kind of really started to see it recently as well is there wasn't and there hasn't been many attractive options for men in terms of the men's work. I thought you were going to say attractive males. I was like, do oh, you want a hey, toot? Hey, you know, oh, so, yeah, no, that's not where we're going at all. Is the, the men's space we didn't find attractive at all. Mm. And we also didn't find many options for blokes looking to dip their toe in for the first time. You know, mm. we look at our type of blokes, you know, kind of half an ear into the personal development, but very cautious. The options that were out there were not any options that the blokes would take. So we really wanted to make men's work more attractive, attainable um, and accessible. And it really is for, you know, your, your kind of standard Aussie blokes who might be looking to dip their toe in for the first time. So, you know, we like to think that we're fairly relatable and that um, puts us in a really good position to, you know, resonate with these blokes and create a really good environment for them to start doing the work. Um, and, you know, I'm kind of excited to see where that goes because, I have seen a shift in the last couple of years of more men doing the work. And, you know, you look at a lot of the problems that we've got, you know, mental health, particularly men, suicide, you know, domestic violence, how many, you know, women we talk to who are unhappy and unfulfilled in their relationships. And as we open this new can of worms, you know, everyone's going to benefit as a result of it. Yeah, awesome. I love that. And as you know, like I personally love you guys. Mm. So it's amazing for everybody out there. So if you do have a partner that might be interested, the boys are definitely not woo-woo. They play football and very normal yeah. guys. So it's it's really opening for men that do want to get involved, mm. which I really love. I always end each episode with a book of the week or a book mm. that's relatable to this episode. I will ask you yours, but I find this so funny because I'd previously pre-prepared this, that this week's bookworm is She Said I'm not even kidding. So that's a great little tie-in to mm. your comments during the episode, which I might actually pass on to you so that you can have a read yourself. Perfect. And what is your suggestion? I would say um, my actual Bible is a book by David Data called The Way of Superior Man. Yeah, beautiful. And yeah, I've read it six times, six or seven times now. And I think it's really valuable for both men and women, men to understand what – you know, stepping into the healthy masculine might look like and potentially identify some of the ways that, you know, they might not be in the healthy masculine or some of the ways that they limit themselves. And also for women to understand the masculine better. You yeah. know, I think if we both understood each other better, mm. that'd be a really nice environment for a better relationship as well. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining us and I will make sure that I put all of that into the show notes as well. I will also post into the closed Facebook group a bunch of the Gottman Institute um, checklists and just like graphics and stuff, which may be really beneficial if that's something of interest to you all, which is just Flourish and Fulfilled Community. You can join that at any time or on Instagram, which is Flourish and Fulfilled. Bye, guys. <laughs>